Well, about a week ago, uh, you might have seen in the Mercury uh, a story about the Leslie Vale Bakery. My uh, brother actually went there a few weeks before it hit the paper, uh, so I kind of had a pre-warning on Facebook about this place. They have, they have a series of signs uh, when you go there. Amazing cakes, slightly awkward signage. Let me uh, show you uh, one of their signs and I'll read it out to you because it might be a little hard to see on your screens this morning. Business declaration and decline notice. Jurisdiction of the rules of equity apply within the grounds of this business. All God-given rights, freedoms and dominion reserved and protected uh, according to the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, Articles 1 through 30. This is a free trade zone. Customers woke, most welcome here, but oppressors, bureaucrats in any official ca capacity, that's you, stay out. Entry of claimed authorities, declined. Notice to trespassers, prosecution applies. I don't know by who, but that doesn't matter. All corporate directions implied or presumed by legislation are declined. All face coverings are to be removed prior to entry for security and safety. All requests to shut down businesses are declined. I wonder if we could go get a cake there this morning. Socialising and congregating permitted on site. Freedom of speech and freedom of movement permitted. Man and woman zone, person, persons, corporations and legislation acts free zone. Private information protection zone, implied or presumed consent to answer questions from any oppressor, bureaucrat or claimed authority is declined. <laughs> um, it's an interesting little uh, sign and there's a few other signs, one de declining um, entry to police uh, based on a, a high court decision about trespassing from the 80s uh, and various other ones. It's a sort of strange and confusing mix of statements because it seems to sort of be implying that uh, the government can't control me because uh, uh, of my God-given rights, the government can't control me because of some other government piece of legislation. Uh, why that one has particular authority over another, I'm not quite sure. Uh, or because of some other court declaration uh, regardless of what the courts might have said since then. But I show you this sign, mostly because it was in the paper last week, but uh, because it's a really good way for us to start thinking about uh, how is it that a Christian should relate to the government? Uh, how is it that we should uh, relate to a government, particularly if we're unhappy with some of the things they might be doing? And it seems that the owners of the Leslie Vale Bakery, uh, it, it seems from their signs, uh, probably Christian, have decided that they're going to go for the sort of complete rejection of the state, uh, and uh, uh, at least in part, to do their own thing. And that's one way. But historically, what we know is that really that there are four ways that you can, as Christians, relate to the state. And John Stott helpfully lays them out for us. He says the first way that Christians have tried to do this whole relationship between church and state is to give control of the church to the state. And so those in government uh, have control over the church. You see something like this happening in the authorised church in China today, where the government runs the church, and there's been various other times throughout history where that has been the case. In fact, the Anglican Church has a historic connection to operating in this way uh, as it was founded 
uh, under King Henry VIII as he took control of the church as the government. So that's one way where we let the government run things and we kind of do what they say and put our trust in them. Another way is for the church to control the state. And so we've seen this at various times. Uh, Not quite... Uh, uh, an example of this but getting close to it with John Calvin in Geneva had a large degree of control over uh, what the local council in uh, Switzerland did. So that's another way where we call the shots, we decide what's right, what's wrong and we get the state to implement uh, our, our, uh, and legislate uh, our faith. Another way is more of a compromise uh, model where the state favours the church and the church in return accommodates the state in order to retain its favour. So we kind of end up in this partnership. And really, uh, you might say that um, at its best, that's what's been going on in Christendom uh, for the last sort of uh, thousand years or so. There's been evidence of state control or church control, but generally speaking, we've been in this kind of mutual symbiotic relationship, uh, church and state, where we've tried to benefit uh, from them and uh, we've tried to uh, enable the state uh, to, to act. Well, the fourth version is partnership. This is where church and state recognise each other's distinct God-given responsibilities in a spirit of constructive collaboration. That is... We go, well, the church has a a, a purview and authority over a certain array of things, but the government has a a God-given purview and authority over other things. And we want to work together in partnership to see God's good order in the world. And I would argue that really that's what we see Paul kind of aiming for in Romans 13. Church and state partnership. Now, it's interesting, isn't it, that those four views don't mention separation of church and state, uh, uh, where they have nothing to do with each other, because, of course, that is a nonsense idea that the church and the state could have no interaction, because uh, that's just not how reality works. People of faith, people in the church, need to live their lives in society, and society and government Uh, it it just crosses over. There there has to be some interaction between the church and the state. And what Romans argues here is for a partnership. And as we uh, do work our way through this, what we see is that for the Christian, submission to the government is is something we see modelled to us from, from Jesus himself. In Mark 12, uh, Jesus is uh, talking with uh, people about paying tax and he says, verse 17, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. He says, pay your taxes, submit to the government uh, when it's uh, right to do so and devote your life to God. Do both, but do them in partnership, says Jesus. And this idea uh, is worked out in Romans 13 a little bit more. Let me just read to you again the first three verses. Let everyone be subject to governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. 
The authorities that have existed have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right and you will be commended. There's a few points that we see from these verses, isn't there? God has given the state authority. The authority given by God ought to be submitted to. Those who rebel are rebelling against God. And living well under government authority means doing what they say. Interesting. It all seems very universal and very black and white. And you might be thinking, surely Paul can't mean that this is true in all cases, all of the time. And you'd be right. But before we think about exceptions to the rule, it's worth noting that Paul is writing this letter to the Roman church at a time when the government was hostile to the church. Paul knows that the Roman authorities are far from perfect. He knows that, 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 that they have no Christian basis for the rules that they make. He knows that it was the very Roman government that condemned Jesus to death, that it was capable of miscarrying justice. And Paul himself has uh, experienced miscarriages of justice in his interactions with Roman authorities. And, and that's why we know, as we read the book of Acts, he has to ultimately appeal to Caesar to try and get some justice from the government so that he doesn't keep getting persecuted. So what's going on here? Is Paul writing to us and telling us to submit to the government unconditionally? Is it a call for universal obedience? What, what has happened throughout history is that when governments are trying to put churches in their place, they quote Romans 13 verses 1 to 3 and say, sit down, be quiet, do what I say. But of course, what we know is that there is most definitely a time and a place for disobedience. And we see it in the early church, as the disciples are putting together what it means to live life as followers of Jesus in a secular world. In Acts 4, Peter and John get told this, Acts 4 verse 17, that the Sanhedrin says, to stop this thing that is the gospel, to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we warn you, Peter and John, not to speak any longer in this name. And they call them in and command them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. This is the government telling the disciples, do not talk about Jesus. We want this so that things will just kind of stay calm and ordered, please. And their response by Peter and John, verse 19, Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him, that is to God? You be the judges, as for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. 
And in Acts 5, they go back and proclaim the gospel once again. And they get put in jail once again. And they go on trial. And at their trial, they're asked, why do you, why will you not obey us? And verse 29 of chapter 5, Peter and the other apostles say, we must obey God rather than human beings. The disciples, the apostles, Paul himself knew that God's word has primacy in the life of the believer. And of course, Scripture has many other examples of this relationship between God's people breaking the rules when, God, when the government goes into places it shouldn't, when it threatens uh, the lives of its people or God's people and when it threatens the proclamation of the gospel. Of course, we have those stories I've just read from Acts but even in the Old Testament, in Exodus, uh, we see at the very start of that story an edict for uh, the Israelites uh, to have their children killed. And in chapter 1, verse 17, what do God's people do? Particularly the midwives involved in the birthing of children and being instructed to carry out their murder. The midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live they disobeyed the government for the government had given an unethical and unrighteous decree to murder Shadrach Meshach and Abednego Daniel 3 instructed uh, to worship an idol say no Daniel himself instructed uh, not to pray says no we are called to submit to the government as Christians, but not unquestionably, not if it threatens the gospel. Well, what should the government actually do then? How do we determine what's right for the government to do and what's not right for the government to do when the government's overstepping and when it's not? What is the area of authority that belongs to the government and how can we understand that so that we can work in partnership with them? Well, we uh, see Paul explain this a little more in verses uh, 4 through 7. Let me read to you those. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honour, then honour. The government's role is to work for our good. Verse, uh, start of verse 4. The government... Uh, works for good by punishing the wrong. At the end of verse 4, it's an agent of wrath to bring punishment. And the authorities are God's servants whom we should support. We should do so as a matter of conscience and we should do so in action, like paying taxes and giving due respect and honour, verses uh, 5 through 7. And these, this idea of the government as the the, the one that's meant to pr pr promote the good in society and restrain evil is not exclusive to Paul. 
Peter says basically the same thing in his letter in 1 Peter chapter 2. Submit yourself to the Lord's sake, verse 13 of 1 Peter chapter 2. Submit yourself to the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. When we looked at Romans 12 a couple of weeks ago before I went away, Paul's instruction there was to love our enemies and uh, the enabling factor we saw was in part a trust that God will bring justice. And what Paul is saying here is that one of the ways that justice can be brought about, it will most certainly be brought about on the last day, but another way that it may be brought about is with a good government bringing justice to those who do evil. And so we see, isn't here, that uh, it is right, uh, as we seek to love our enemies, to also work for justice, to see that justice is done by the state in a manner that is fair and equitable. The exercise of love and justice are actually connected ideas. Even in loving and serving our enemies, we ought to be concerned for justice. And even as the government... uh, sort of uh, passes judgment and, and brings, uh, uh, brings its punishments, it ought to do so in a way that is tempered by love and mercy, lest it become a harsh and unreasonable dictatorship. Love and justice are connected. And so what are we called to do by Paul here? In, we're called as Christians, in partnership with the government to support them and to work for them as they seek to bring about good and punish wrong. Christians, John Stott says, who recognise the state's authority and ministry come from God will do more than tolerate it as if it were a necessary evil. Conscientious Christian citizens will submit to its authority, honour its representatives, pay its taxes and pray for its welfare. This is what partnership with the government looks like. Church and state working together. Christians respecting, honouring and the government working for good. And we want to pray for them to do that. And of course, we understand that sin is real and that the government will not always give us the freedom we need to worship God. And so we must remember that this, what Paul see here, is, is an ideal for how things ought to work, rather than a, a description of how things will be all the time. Now, the rest of Romans chapter 13 uh, is going to get covered now in one minute or less. But verses 8 to 10 talk about how love needs to be our primary motivator and uh, our operating principle in life in general. And verses 11 and 14 talk about how the return of Christ ought to give us a perspective that enables us to do the things that God is calling us to do, to love our neighbours, to love our enemies, to submit to the authorities. But for now, as we've reflected uh, on the main theme of Romans 13, submission to Uh, the government and working in partnership with them. I think the the interesting question is, isn't it, what is our government doing now? 
and what kind of response should we have to it at present? It's an interesting thought, one I've been wrestling with since I got a phone call from uh, one of you uh, early on Friday, tipping me off to the fact that we're about to go into lockdown. Now, let me say at the outset that the first thing uh, we need to remember is that as we think about what the government is doing now and the response we should have, uh, we need to move cautiously and carefully and graciously. That this is a conversation that uh, requires uh, the best minds of the Christian church to, to think through and speak into. It's one thing, you see, to understand the principles of Scripture, to understand what Paul is calling us to in general terms in Romans 13. And where Christians often come unstuck and where we often end up in argument is not so much on that level of principle, right? We want to work in partnership with the government, we ought to submit to them, pray for them, work for their good and they ought to bring about justice and promote goodness in the world. Like, everyone understands that, but what gets difficult is like, well, what does that look like in Tasmania, in Hobart, in a lockdown? That's, that's where uh, the rubber hits the road. That's where it starts getting difficult to kind of figure out what we ought to do. So we need to listen to those uh, who uh, can bring uh, infinitely more wisdom, even than I can, to a subject like this. I think the second thing we have to think is that love, love has to be the driving motivation in our response to the government, uh, in our response to uh, its decrees. I think as well we have to note that there's probably something different about a government which seeks to protect us and our fellow citizens by limiting our ability to worship together in person for a time than for a government which was outlawing it indefinitely because they hated Jesus. So, what are we to make of our government now, how should we respond? It's quite a difficult thing to think through. And I have plenty of views about um, lockdowns and closed borders and their place in a largely vaccinated society and I've got plenty to say about a government that's had 18 months to prepare for something and still has our hospital system running at breaking point even without a COVID case. And I have uh, views about pandemic versus endemic responses and most of them are not that uh, informed. Uh, they're just views that I, I have uh, and ideas that um, I'm kicking around in my head. And those views most certainly sit in the contested space of a democracy where we have to weigh the competing demands of what is good for our society. And certainly, I don't think any of those issues, lockdowns, pandemic responses, any of these things, none of them fall into some sort of theological category of these are wrong theologically. They are all about wisdom, about what is the best way the government can work for our good. And so whatever action we think of the actions that have been taken this weekend, that mean we're meeting online together, it would seem to me 
that when it's all boiled down to it, the government is acting to protect its people. And even if they might be overreacting in your or my personal opinion, that's the decision that they're making, which is their right to make. And as Christians, if we believe the government is acting for our good and for the good of our society, we have no choice but to submit. That's why you're not sitting in these chairs to my left. That's why Dave's wearing a face mask back there. That's why we're uh, following the rules. Because the government's job is to keep us safe. I have no other choice as a Christian but to obey. Now, I can think that the, 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 the decisions they've made are not the wisest decisions or the right decisions and I can express those to the government and I can ring them and I can email them and I can um, engage in a democracy. But to disobey at this stage, things might change, but at this stage today, in this situation, as we work out the principles from Romans 13 and the rest of Scripture and try and apply them to our government today... The loving response is to submit to what God, uh, to the authorities God has placed in our lives. Of course, a lockdown and a health proclamation could be used to shut down God's people and to shut down the proclamation of the gospel. And if that were to occur, of course, that would be a different story. But we are not there. And I don't think it's likely we will get there. Now, of course, there's heaps more that could be said. Vaccines, vaccine mandates, and all I'll say about all of that is you should get vaccinated. I think the doctors uh, are the people who God has placed uh, over uh, our health, and they're the ones who know what's going on. So get a vaccine if you can. Uh, but uh, again, we're trying to apply theological principles to practical realities in the here and now, and it's difficult, it's complex, and it requires love and grace. So let me wrap this all up. God has put governments in place to bring order to our world. As Christians, we're called as far as it is possible, as far as the government allows us to continue to proclaim the gospel, we're called to be good citizens who lovingly submit and work in partnership with those in authority. Submitting to authority, paying our taxes, honouring our leaders, praying for them, obeying them, and living at peace at everyone. This is the Christian life in secular society under whatever government we may have. As Christians, we are called to love everyone around us sacrificially and to put the needs of others before our own. If, and only if or when, our faith is challenged by the government, then we respectfully and lovingly resist by continuing to proclaim the gospel and accepting whatever punishments the government brings our way. This is what the disciples did. 
when they were unjustly persecuted for preaching the truth about Jesus, their response is illustrative for the attitude and the heart we need to have whatever happens in the future. As they leave the Sanhedrin, the, 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 the court where they've been found guilty of disobeying the government because they won't stop talking about Jesus. Verse 41 of Acts 5, the apostles leave the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus was the Messiah. That is and can only be the reason for our disobedience. Everything else, we're called to loving submission. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, this is difficult, it's hard, uh, and uh, it requires uh, a lot of thinking uh, as we seek to work out what it means for us to work in partnership with our governments, to to submit to them with uh, love and obedience uh, in all the things that you've called them to do, Uh, as we live out our lives as the church and the things you've called us to do. Lord, help us to navigate this complex uh, idea. Uh, And Lord, we thank you that we have a government that does want to keep us safe uh, and keep our community uh, safe from this pandemic. And please give them wisdom as they seek to figure out what it means for us to live in a world where coronavirus is a present reality Uh, Help them to navigate the difficulties that will come as they seek to open borders and uh, do things like that in the future. And Lord, we pray that you would continue to watch over our government as they oversee vaccination programs and uh, whatever other measures they take. Lord, we pray for our health authorities, our contract tracers, and we pray for this uh, man who uh, has escaped uh, quarantine and caused us to go into this lockdown. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would continue to have mercy on him, that the people who interact with him would love him. Uh, And Lord, we pray that you would help us as we think about that man to not think of him in an unchristian manner, but to do so with love and grace and mercy and trust that the government will bring justice where it needs to be. Uh, Lord, thank you for your word and help us to apply it wisely to our lives. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.